The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short and I'm joined here by Drew Silva as we continue our position breakdown series. We did first baseman and second baseman earlier this month, so go back into our archives to check that out. But today we're going to dig into shortstops and third baseman, the names to know for 2020, maybe some names to avoid, some deeper league round values to keep an eye out for as well. Ready to go here, Drew? Yep, let's do it. All right, before we begin our shortstop rankings, remember the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide magazine is on shelves now. There's also the online version of the guide, which will be constantly updated throughout spring training to account for all the latest developments, injuries, position battles, closer decisions, all that stuff. You can find up-to-date info there, so head to rotoworld.com slash MLB Draft Guide to check it out. Okay, Drew, I'm going to let you get us started here uh, with your top 12 shortstops, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right. Number one, Francisco Lindor. Number two, Trey Turner. Three, Trevor Story. Four, Fernando Tatis Jr. Five, Alex Bregman. Six, Glaber Torres. Seven, Xander Bogarts. Eight, Javier Baez. Nine, Cattell Marte. Ten, Edalberto Mondesi. Eleven, Bo Bichette. And twelve, Manny Machado. All right. So I have uh, Lindor one, uh, so that's the same. I have Story and Turner flip-flopped. So I have Story two, Trey Turner three, Alex Bregman four, uh, Tatis Jr. number five. I have Cattell Marte up at six. Uh, You already know that I like him a bit more than you uh, going into this year, so I have him at six. I have Xander Bogarts at seven, uh, Glaber Torres at eight, uh, Mondesi at nine, Javier Baez at 10, Bo Bichette at 11, and then Jonathan Villar at 12. So, I mean, all together, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of similar names just slightly jumbled in a different order. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindor, sort of the undisputed, I guess, going into uh, this year. Although, you know, Lindor, Story, and Turner, I think, are pretty close. Uh, you know, as far yeah. as average draft position, they're pretty close together. Um, but, you know, we both went in with Lindor uh, first here. Uh, of course, he shook off some injury concerns early last year. I remember him slipping in drafts, got a late start on the year, but still ended up with 32 homers, 22 steals, 101 runs scored in 143 games. Had the calf and ankle issues, which uh, delayed his season debut until late April. And I think we were both worried about what the speed output would be, but uh, really he was he was fine. And he was actually more efficient stealing bases last year than he was in 2018. Uh, so that's a big positive. Three straight years with 30-plus homers. Uh, Strikeouts have risen over the past two years, but, you know, still makes plenty of contact. Uh, Maybe not someone you can count on to hit 300, but certainly not going to hurt you in batting average. Uh, And, you know, he's going to be there in counting stats if he stays healthy. Um, Just really impressed with numbers across the board and and probably the safest play at shortstop. Yeah, leadoff man in the Indians lineup that should be fairly potent. Um, it's possible Lindor gets traded at some point this summer. That's true. Um, or even this spring, maybe. Um, free agency looming after 2021, and the Indians have really shown no desire to dish out a massive contract extension is probably what it would take, like talking $400 million. Um, but if he does get traded, it, it would almost definitely be to a contending team with a good offense. Yeah, I think he's 
he's the obvious top choice choice at shortstop, uh, given the power and the speed upside. But you know, there are a lot of elite five category fantasy options at this position. Yeah, shortstop uh, is very deep. Uh, you know, and if you ended up with, I mean, half the more than half of the names on this list of our top twelves, I think you'd be feeling pretty awesome, <laughs> no yep. matter what. Yep. It gets a little it gets a little iffier as we, as we get deeper, but um, you know these these top options. Uh, you know, you're going to be feeling good if these are your first round picks. Yep. I had a uh, Trey Turner second um, yet to reach 20 home runs in a season, but you know, he definitely would have gotten there last year had he not fractured his right index finger in early April while trying to lay down a bunt um, wound up missing a little over six weeks of action. So he was limited to 122 games overall, but still finished with 19 homers, 35 stolen bases, 96 runs scored for, the eventual World Series champion Nationals, 298 batting average, 850 OPS. Um, he told reporters in January that he never really felt 100% after returning from that broken finger. So with a full offseason of rest, we could truly see him at his best in 2020, which could mean 25-plus homers, 40-plus steals, good batting average, tons of runs scored. Um, there's talk of him possibly batting third this year for the Nats, um, so maybe some more RBI opportunities. Yeah. Um, he had 57 RBIs last year while almost exclusively hitting leadoff. But I'd also be fine with Dave Martinez just keeping him at leadoff, too. I guess there's some talk about Victor, Victor Robles potentially mm-hmm. uh, hitting high you know, high in the order, either first or second. Um, I don't know if I dig that right now. I think Robles has some work to do with his approach. Uh, but, you know, they'll try it in the spring. I, I don't know if that's ultimately what they're going to settle on. I'd also be worried if Turner was hitting third, there'd just be fewer chances to run. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind, but certainly if he had played a full year in 2019, he would have had 45 plus stolen bases easy. Uh, and in this environment that gives him an, a very safe floor, you know, we talk about it every year with, with Trey Turner. Um, and, and as you said, and it's pretty remarkable that he had the season he had, despite really not feeling a hundred percent, he had mm-hmm. surgery after the year to address it. There isn't expected to be any issues going into spring training, um, you know, still useful across the board. Uh, you know, should be locked into a prominent spot in that lineup. It all just depends on how much you want to prioritize the speed because you could certainly take different approaches. Uh, there's lots of players that, you know, if you grab a speed-only option, they're going to hurt you in other areas. Turner's not one of those guys, but yeah. uh, obviously if you want to grab power early, you know, that makes sense too, and you could maybe piece together steals. But Turner's probably the safest option all around. Yep. Uh, so you had Trevor Story second. I had him third. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A big breakout in, in 2018 and was basically the same guy in 2019, if not even a little better. Um, he did sit out for a little bit in June and July due to a sprained thumb, which kept him from setting new career highs in home runs and stolen bases. But he had career highs in batting average at 294 on base percentage at 363 and OPS at 917. He has 40 homer power potential and, you know, the ability to steal 20 plus bases, 27 steals in 2018, 23 in 2019, uh, definitely benefits from taking half of his plate appearances at, at Coors Field. The splits are dramatic, Yes, they are. Um, but that's, you know, built into the cost and it's built into the production you get in return for that cost. And his average draft position right now on Yahoo is 13.7. So top of the second round in a 12 teamer. he might go in the first round in some drafts too. If you remember Story when he first came up, he was a strikeout machine. I mean, there was a ton of power, but there was a lot of strikeouts too. Uh, he's really made progress uh, in regard to making contact over the past two seasons. Uh, retained the contact gains he showed in 2018. Uh, last year uh, was among the league's best in terms of average exit velocity and hard hit percentage. Uh, you know, numbers unsurprisingly better at home, but it's not like his situation's changed. He's still going to play half of his games there. Has Coors Field on his side in it good spot in that lineup as well so you know i think after two years of really showing uh these skills the new contact skills you know you're not so worried about the batting average so really five categories he's a beast yep uh fernando tatis jr i had four where did you have him i have him at five and i had bregman at four so yeah yeah it was kind of hard to to pick between these guys but you know what tatis did last year as a rookie when healthy was just insane 22 home runs, 16 stolen bases in only 84 games, 317 batting average, 969 OPS. That that 84-game pace extrapolated out to 162 games is 42 homers, 
102 RBIs, 31 steals, and 118 runs scored. Um, it might be fair to question his durability a bit. Uh, he missed all of May last year with a, a severe hamstring strain and then suffered a season-ending stress reaction in his back in mid-August. But you know, hopefully those turn out to be freak things and he can manage to play 150-plus games in 2020, probably as the leadoff man uh, for an improved Padres team. I wouldn't count on him posting those extrapolated numbers yeah. I mentioned. He had a 410 batting average on balls in play. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of good luck, but I mean, anything close would obviously be tremendous. Um, 14.3 average draft position right now on Yahoo. So the injury depressed offensive totals aren't leading to any sort of a discount on draft day. That's true. I mean, he hit 317 uh, as a rookie, you know, benefited from the 410 uh, batting average on balls in play, which is like a historically high number. Uh, it struck out in 29.6% of his plate appearances. So, you know, I'd set my baseline expectations average wise, like, 270 275 something like that yeah. and if it was any higher you know i'd be thrilled uh but if he does hit leadoff for the padres which seems like the most likely scenario you know he's gonna have volume at the top of the lineup lots of opportunities for power and speed uh and to score some runs too so you know i think he's gonna be a, a really good option across the board there it's just and the other thing to keep in mind though he's just 21 years old so i, I think he'll get there with his plate discipline but Going into 2020, I don't think you can necessarily uh, bank on it, but uh, I think he's a really strong candidate to be drafted uh, you know, really high in the first round next year. We'll put it that way. Yep. Um, Alex Bregman, who I had fifth, you had fourth. Yeah. Um, mostly going to play third base this year as long as Carlos Correa can manage to stay healthy. Yeah. But he does have that shortstop eligibility. Appeared in 65 games there last season. It, which just adds to his his great value as a fantasy asset, being eligible at shortstop and third. Uh, coming off 41 home runs, 112 RBIs, 122 runs scored, all at age 25. This will be his age 26 season right in his prime. And the career trajectory here is just very like aesthetically pleasing. If you, if you go to his baseball reference page, you know, 791 OPS as a rookie, jumps to 827 as a sophomore 926 OPS in his third year and then 1015 OPS last season in his fourth year as a major leaguer. What do you think um, changed in that time? Let's let's not <laughs> let's not do this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's at the center of of the Astros sign stealing scandal and that's at least worth mentioning, but I think he's a good enough player to flourish without that nonsense. I'm bringing it up for a reason because with all the bad PR press attention the Astros are getting right now. Do you think Bregman's going to fall? A little. I mean, but I don't think he'll fall like out of the second round. Yeah, definitely not. But I could definitely see people like just hating on him and not wanting to pick him. You know what I mean? Then I'll take him. Yeah, no, I will too. I'm saying, especially in like, you know, more casual drafts with like your friends and buddies from the office and stuff like that. Um, if they're yeah, like maybe. a Yankees fan or whatever, like they may be like, I don't want to have him on my team. You know, maybe he, um, he might be onto something. Yeah, and then you could get a nice value because I think Bregman, I think he's the real deal. I mean, last year hit two ninety six, drew one hundred nineteen walks against just eighty three strikeouts, which is just ridiculous in this mm-hmm. day and age. Four twenty three on base percentage. Only Christian Yelich and Mike Trout uh, were higher among qualified hitters. Uh, the thing that separates him from the other options at shortstop is just the lack of speed. Uh, 17 steals in 2017, 10 in 2018, all the way down to five last year. So to me, you know, Lindor, Story, Turner, uh, you could even make a case, I guess, for Fernando Tatis Jr. are sort of more well-rounded fantasy options. But uh, Bregman, you know, if, if if those guys fall off the board and Bregman's sitting there, like, again, you're going to be feeling pretty good. Yep. Um, I had Glaber Torres sixth. Uh, what do you have him at nine? I have uh, I have him at eighth, and I have eighth, uh, yeah. Ketel Marte sixth. But you can go ahead and, and do your Torres at, pitch. Torres was my uh, he was my number one second baseman, but yeah, number six for me at shortstop. Yeah. Just another example of of how loaded this position is with dynamically talented players. Um, just tur- turned twenty three years old in December. Hit 38 home runs with an 871 OPS last season for the Yankees. Should bat third for one of the best lineups in baseball. Doesn't have the speed of, of some of the top fantasy shortstop, but the, the power and the youth and the situation. Also eligible at, at both second base and shortstop. I think mean, he's a fantasy stud, and the arrow is pointing up. 
given how young he is. He's been an all-star each of his first two major league seasons. I, I think he should be one again in 2020. Increased the contact rate last year, which was nice to see. He was at 70.9% in 2018. Uh, bumped it up to 74.4% last year. Uh, maybe not a 300 hitter, but uh, not going to hurt you in batting average. I don't know if he's a true 40 homer hitter either, but obviously like him in that situation uh, there at Yankee Stadium. I'm actually in a, a, it's a brand new score sheet league that I'm in. It's called Final <laughs> Table, and it's it's a, I believe it's 24 teams in there. Um, some of like the best score sheet owners, and it's a dynasty draft as well. Um, and I was I picked 13th, and I actually took Glaber Torres. Um, I like it. The reason why is because, you know, he's still really young, so I'll have him for several years in a great situation with the Yankees. Um, qualifies at shortstop and second base, so depending on what else happens during the draft, I'm, like, covered in both of those positions. Um, so I just really like just that all-around appeal. It's not a league where, like, stolen bases matter. It's more like a simulation. Um, I like that. But, I, you know, in, in my own, like, personal rankings this year, I kind of have him a little low, but I think in, like, a dynasty format... Like there's just a ton of nice value there uh, for the next several seasons. I think Torres is only 23 years old, so yep, yeah, just turned 23, and he should be with the Yankees for a long time. Yeah. I, c- I could see an extension there at some yeah. point. Uh, so I have Cattell Marte sixth, and, and and we talked about him in our second base episode, so you can go back in our archives to hear more on that. Uh, we know all about the power uh, explosion last year. It had 22 home runs in 402 career games going into 2019. Ended up with 32 homers last year, um, you know, hit 329. Uh, maybe some of that's the baseball. I'm willing to to grant some of that, but uh, he's a different he's a different player now than he was coming up as a prospect. Uh, and I think something you have to fall back on. Marte's never really struck out that much. You know, gives up. Uh, didn't really give up his contact for power last year either. So I think the batting average is something that can stick. Uh, fly ball rate also increased last year, so I think that's nice to see. Um, average loss launch angle jumped up to 11.5 degrees, uh, hard hit percentage, average exit velocity, barrel percentage, also growth there. Um, when we did our, our videos last week at Roto world, Christopher Crawford mentioned, and he obviously knows Cattell Marte well, because he was a Mariners prospect. Um, you know, he used to be kind of wiry, but now he's like a strong dude. So, you know, you really can't judge him by those old numbers, I guess. Um, but Marte also brings some speed to the table, which I don't think is nothing. Um, you know, shortstop's so loaded that he ends up getting pushed down the board with me. He's sixth, but, um, you know, multi-position eligibility as well, which I think is a nice bonus. I know we're just talking about shortstops here, but, um, you know, you can use Marte all over the place, at least in Yahoo. So I think that's a nice bonus, uh, especially if you grab him early. Yeah. Marte will also be there when we discuss outfielders, uh, on an upcoming episode. Yeah. So, yeah, that multiple position eligibility is nice and, and the power and some speed. Um, I don't think he's going to repeat a 329 batting average, yeah. but I think he will be somewhere over 300. You mentioned the contact skills that he's made improvements on and or has really always had. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the good peripherals last year that suggest it wasn't a fluke. I think there will be some some natural regression there, though. That's fair. Um, I had Xander Bogart seventh. Same. Um Okay, cool. Yeah, had some strong seasons before 2019, but he took it to a whole new level last year with a, a 309 batting average, career high, 939 OPS, 33 home runs, 117 RBIs, and 50, 155 games, uh, 6.8 wins above replacement at Fangraphs, which ranked fourth among all American League position players and eighth among all MLB position players. Um, losing Mookie Betts from the top of the Red Sox lineup could hurt the RBI count for Bogarts, but yeah, maybe we'll see some more home runs. Could get near 35, maybe even 40. His his hard hit rate has been on a steady rise, reached a personal high last season. This will be his age 27 campaign. Has a little bit of speed too. Only four steals in 2019s, but he's reached the double digits in that category uh, three times in his career. So maybe he'll run a little more in 2020. He boosted the fly ball rate last year and another one of those players who didn't really give up contact in order to do it. He was actually more selective than he ever was before. So, you know, just someone who's really growing uh, and blossoming as a hitter, really Um, good ballpark to hit in regardless of the, you know, losing Mookie Betts, um, some of the other AL East venues as well. So good situation to be in. You know, whatever I guess he gives you on a speed, uh, this the speed scenario is is sort of a bonus, and I think that's what, again, like I was saying with Bregman, you know, that's what separates 
the shortstops here. Glyber uh, Tour is another example. Like they just don't give you necessarily that all-around game that the elite options do, uh, but still a really, really good option in shortstop. Um, I had Javier Baez eighth. You had him tenth, I believe. Yeah, I did, and I, I was kind of waffling on this and going back and forth between Mondesi and Baez. I ultimately put Mondesi ninth, but um, you know it's pretty close, and and they're really close in average draft position too. Yeah, in our positional preview podcast last year, we both agreed that 2018 would probably go down as a career year for him. Um, and I think that still stands. Uh, Baez had 34 home runs, 111 RBIs, 21 steals in 2018, down to 29 homers, 85 RBIs, 11 stolen bases last season for the Cubs. Uh, some of that is because he missed the final month of the year with a hairline fracture in his left thumb. But his batting average and OPS also dropped. Um, Baez is going before Xander Bogarts right now in the average Yahoo draft, which I don't really think is right. He does offer more speed than Bogarts, and he can be a five-category guy when he's at his best. I just wouldn't expect him to get back to 20-steal territory, and I'd project somewhere around 30 home runs. Um, So there's – I don't know. I think there are better options considering where he's being selected. But, you know, he's got the five tools, the kind of stuff you look for on draft day. Yeah, I think you could bank on the power, you know, still hit the ball really hard last year, um, you know, in good company with all the power metrics we talk about all the time, average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, stuff like that. Uh, you, like you said, this drop in steals is the biggest disappointment. Uh, actually went just 11 for 18 in stolen base attempts, so not the best ratio there. Um, he's still plenty fast if you look at the speed metric on um, baseball savant. So maybe maybe he can get back to normal maybe 20 steals i don't know i wouldn't necessarily uh, bank on that um, and he doesn't have the plate skills as some of the names uh, we mentioned so far Xander bogart's among them uh, so i think that's what sets him back a bit but uh, i still think he's a really good pick this late uh, especially assuming a return to health with the thumb all right i'd could tell Marte ninth and then edalberto mondesi 10th yeah um I, mondesi yeah. coming into this year i I don't know. As I was like trying to think of someone who I, I think bust is like strong, but like overvalued. I think yeah. Mondesi might be that guy. Um, just a flawed player to me. I think there's value to be had, but you know, hit 263 with a 291 on base percentage last year. Um, you know, obviously the, the counting stats are tantalizing uh, 43 steals in just 102 games, which is just wacky. Nine homers, 62 RBIs, 58 runs scored. Uh, dealt with a shoulder injury in the second half, eventually went surgery, underwent surgery to repair the labrum in his left shoulder in early October. Uh, as of now, he appears on track for opening day. I haven't heard anything contrary to that so far, but um, I guess we'll see how he does, um, you know, during spring training. Um, but, you know, the speed's off the charts. He could legitimately push for 50 or 60 steals if he can stay healthy. You know, that could win you a league. Um, and that's even assuming there's no growth on the plate discipline front, but I think there's legitimate questions about the power output. Like, is he really a 20 homer guy? I'm really not sure. Um, and also where he might end up in the lineup. Like, let's say he just tanks and, you know, is hitting like 240 or something. Um, he doesn't really have the patience to be a top of the order hitter necessarily. Um, and I, I mean, this is a good question for you, Drew, uh, with Mike Matheny there with the Royals now. Would he have patience for a guy like Montesi at the top of the lineup, or is he someone who would bump him down to maybe hitting ninth? It's a good question, and it's a legitimate concern. I, I don't know. Matheny kind of said he went to like analytic school uh, when he was like serving in the Rays or in the Royals front office. So maybe he learned to appreciate on base percentage more, which, you know, should be like <laughs> intro to baseball, like the, fir- the first class he took at analytics school. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that is a legitimate concern. I think he was probably drafted a little too high last year under the assumption that he would be able to match his power pace from 2018. Yeah. Um, that was 14 homers in 75 games. And then, like you said, down to just nine homers in 102 games last season. But, you know, he has the goods to, to lead all of Major League Baseball in stolen bases and a little bit of power, too. Mm-hmm. Um, probably starts out hitting second uh, for the Royals right behind Whit Merrifield and right in front of Jorge Soler and Hunter Dozier. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a rough year again in, in KC, at least on, in terms of baseball. But uh, there's definitely some fantasy-relevant talent at the top of that lineup. There is, for, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, I had Bo Bichette 11th. Same here, um, and I, I really awesome. wanted to find a way to push him higher, but it just shortstops so deep that it's not possible. But you know, Bo Bichette's a guy I could see next year making a really huge leap as well. Yeah, he he brought it last year when he got called up in, in late July. A 3.11 average, 9.30 OPS, 11 homers, four stolen bases over his first 46 major league games. Um, passes the eye test as a future stars, an aggressive player. Has the pedigree being Dante Bichette's son. I think he'll run more uh, moving forward than he did as a rookie. Uh, 32 steals in 131 games at AA New Hampshire in 2018. He had 15 steals in 56 games last year at AAA Buffalo before arriving in Toronto. Yeah, I think of the exciting young players on the Blue Jays roster, I think that Bichette is the most exciting, um, even more so than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly for 2020, um, and we'll get into that when we talk about third baseman. Um, <laughs> but I'm with you on on Bo Bichette. I think you know, I lived up to the hype and then some. I think he was maybe overshadowed a bit by by Vlad. Um, Would have had a larger sample if not for that fractured hand in April. Um, we might have seen him sooner, possibly. Uh, concussion ended his season, but um, you know should be good to go uh, going into this year. And I think there's you know 2020 ability um, in 2020. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm trying to get him wherever I can. Um, so 12th, I had Jonathan VR, who we also talked about in our, our previous podcast and, you know, obvious reasons to target VR, the speed had 40 steals and 162 games last year with the Orioles. Now with the Marlins, um, obviously not as favorable in a, of, an, of an environment to hit in, um, but uh, you know, I'm assuming he's going to be hitting leadoff there uh, with Miami. Um, it sounds like either he could play third base or the outfield, so uh, that's something to watch too. Uh, can only expand his you know versatility from a fantasy perspective, so that's that's a nice little bonus. Uh, but I wonder how much the ballpark change is going to hurt him on the power front. Um, obviously, I think it will. It's just a matter of how much. Uh, but assuming he stays at the leadoff spot, there's still going to be plenty of opportunities for counting stats. Uh, in, in sort of like uh, Mondesi, at least, you know, if his batting average doesn't tank. If it does, then maybe we'll see him slide down in the order. But at least to begin the year, you know, he should be right there at the top and, you know, should steal plenty of bases, you know, score some runs. I think the Marlins lineup is going to be better this year. Yeah, love the speed. Love that he he at least has some power. But yeah, yeah. you have to be aware that he's he's probably not going to hit twenty four home runs again. Yeah. Uh, with the move from Baltimore to Miami, yeah. I had him thirteenth. I had Manny Machado twelfth. I kind of wrestled with it. Yeah, I made um, Machado thirteenth. So I mean, yeah. you know, it's right on the cusp. Yeah, first year with the Padres was a letdown in a lot of ways, especially you know given the what he commanded in free agency, ten years, three hundred million dollars. Um, I think some power loss was expected going from Baltimore to San Diego or really Baltimore to Los Angeles to San Diego. Um, but beyond the 796 OPS, he also had a career low 256 batting average. Um, still got to 32 home runs and 85 RBIs. And I think those numbers are repeatable in 2020 or could even be improved upon. But he's not a 20 steals guy anymore. And so you really need him to be elite in the other categories, uh, given where he's going in drafts. 55th overall on Yahoo, which I thought that's a bit early for my liking. Yeah. So shortstop's so deep that I'm like, man, there, there's some really good values here as we move along. I'm just going to read off the rest of my top 20, if that's cool, cool, just so you can get a sense of of how deep this position is. 13th, I had Manny Machado. 14th, Carlos Correa. 15, Corey Seager, who I think is an awesome value in a great Dodgers lineup. 16th, Tim Anderson. 17, Marcus Semien. 18, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, who continues to make progress, you know, seemingly every year, had a great second half. 19, Gene Segura, even though it looks like he's going to play second base this year in Philly, maybe third base too. Uh, and 20, Elvis Andrews. And that's, I couldn't even fit Jorge Polanco in my top 20. So, you know, just a really loaded position with lots of talent. Yeah. Um, starting with Andrews, I think he's a nice guy to have if your league has a middle infield spot. Yeah. Um, or even for a utility spot with the speed, 31 stolen bases in, in 147 games last season, 12 home runs. He's only reached 20 home runs once in his career, and he turns 32 years old this summer, so maybe he's not going to run as much. But you know, the speed that he does offer is valuable. He's probably going to hit second in a pretty good Rangers lineup. Um, there's a ceiling there, but he also has a nice floor. 
Um, Marcus Semien, I mean, had by far the best year of his career in 2019. Fifth overall in fan graphs, win, wins above replacement. Um, 892 OPS, 285 batting average, 33 home runs, 92 RBIs, 10 steals, 123 runs scored. Um, just career highs across the board. But he had a, a 713 OPS between 2013 and 2018 and averaged just 12 home runs per year during that stretch. So, yeah. you know, I'm a little skeptical that that he can build on what he did last year or I even repeat it. Completely agree. Like when I was going through this, uh, this last portion of shortstops, 13 to 20, he was the name that stuck out to me where I was looking at the average drop position, which according to NFBC, it's like inside the top 100. And it just seemed a little too high for me. Um, mostly because I don't see the power sticking, um, made some progress last year, but he was still below the league average, uh, in both average exit velocity and hard hit percentage. Um, so that sets off just, you know, a little alarm bells for me and we are nitpicking cause there's just, I mean, shortstop's so deep, but you know, if I can't bank on 30 homers, I can't bank on 15 plus steals. Uh, he's never hit higher than 285 in a season. You know, that was yeah. last year, 285. He just doesn't stand out, you know, in this crowded field. And you compare it to Corey Seager, who average draft position is like 150, uh, yeah. according to NFBC, which is crazy. You know, not a great first full season back from Tommy John surgery, but still really respectable. Hit 287, 19 homers, 87 RBIs, 82 runs scored, and 134 games. So if he had played a full, you know, something close to a full 162, you know, he probably would have been sitting like 25 homers, 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored. You know, to get him that late, I think is an awesome value. Yeah, it's not too high of a cost to see if he can get back to no. the guy he was when he first arrived on the scene. He was amazing for that debut stretch in 2015, one NL Rook of the Year in 2016. And then, you know, injuries have kind of kept him from developing in, into the player we thought he might be but yeah tommy john surgery in early 2018 also had a hip procedure right. later that year so that yeah, could could be in for for something of like a, a post-hype breakout i think in 2020 and he, he's coming at a relative discount like we talked about and that dodgers lineup is is crazy good with the addition of mookie Betts. um seager's like a cheap way to get a get a piece of it so ahmed rosario i kind of mentioned him quickly mm-hmm. um Someone who, if you if you look at uh, on his baseball savant page, you know you see a player who's become more selective each year in the majors, uh, increases in hard hit percentage, average exit velocity every year. So he's trending up um, every season, which is what you want to see from a young player. You know sometimes these guys you know aren't a hit right away, uh, but you got to stick with some of these guys. And I think Rosario is a great example. Hit 322 with an 806 OPS over his final 89 games last year. Um, that was from June 17th on. Uh, stolen base rate has been disappointing. He was 19 for 29 last year, but uh, certainly brings an interesting mix of pop and speed to the table. Uh, and still only 24 years old. You can get him in a similar sort of draft position as, as Corey Seager. So if you want a little more speed, uh, he, Rosario could be your guy, even if you know he's not, he's not the most efficient base dealer, but he'll at least help you in that area. Yeah, Tim Anderson, uh, worth talking about. If you had him leading the majors in batting average last year, I, I think you're probably just a liar. <laughs> um, a 240 average in 2018, jumped all the way to 335 in 2019. Um, decent power, good speed, 18 homers and 17 steals last year. Um, we've talked about how much we like the White Sox lineup. I wouldn't count on another 335 batting average, but he can be a 2020 guy in home runs and stolen bases and the other counting stats should be pretty good in that lineup. Someone who stuck out to me who you can get really late, um, almost around 200, uh, Kevin Newman with the pirates. And, you know, the pirates were terrible last year. I don't think they're really going to be on anybody's radar this year either, but, uh, you look at last season hit 308, one of the toughest hitters to strike out in the majors, uh, struck out in just 11.7% of his bats. So, you know, the batting averages should be there. Uh, 12 homers, 16 steals, 61 runs scored in 130 games. Uh, and keep in mind, he was in the bottom third of the order for 40 games or so. So let's say he sticks at the top of the lineup this season. And it can only help him counting stats-wise. And you mentioned Elvis Andrews a little bit earlier. Like, I kind of see them in a, in a similar fashion. Uh, where they'll give you a little bit of pop, some speed as well, should hit for average. And you probably can get Newman a little later than Andrews, too. Uh, so he's someone I'd take a look at. 
you know, in a standard mixed league, maybe he's not your starting shortstop. Maybe he's a middle infielder. Uh, but I think he could be a really nice value late. Uh, Didi Gregorius is going pretty late, yeah. 195 overall. Yeah, didn't do a whole lot last year with the Yankees after returning from Tommy John surgery in June, but gets to turn the page now, signed a one-year $14 million deal with the Phillies in free agency, uh, and is a good spot to, to attempt to revitalize his value. Could approach 30 home runs, I think, with that ballpark in Philadelphia. Good amount of RBIs. 2019 was just a weird year for him. My thought is to kind of just toss it out. Um, he batted 196 with a 570 OPS at Yankee Stadium and had an 840 OPS on the road. It's just not the usual split you see for guys playing in the Bronx. So as we get into sort of the deeper options here, I mean, I'm just going to throw out a couple of names. Jose Peraza uh, with the Red Sox now. Dustin Pedroia probably, I mean, who knows if he ever plays again, obviously, at this point. So there's an opportunity there for Peraza. Are you giving him another shot? Yeah, I mean, his his career so far has been so up and down, but the ups have been really good with, with the power and the speed and should be in a pretty good situation there in Boston. Um, could maybe hit. I don't know, work his way up near the top of the lineup. He's not a great OBP guy, but um, losing Mookie Betts, that's going to be a different looking batting order uh, than we than we be, become accustomed to. Uh, Luis Arias, uh, now with the Brewers. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, once, he's interesting. You yeah. know. Once he's healthy, yeah. we have to make right. sure of that first. I mean, he could potentially start the season, you know, either rehabbing or in the minors. We'll see. But, you know, in that situation there in Milwaukee, I think he's he's worth watching. Hasn't hit much in the majors so far, but uh, I wouldn't hold that against him uh, just yet. Willie Adamas actually made some progress with the Rays last year. Uh, kind of interesting power bat. I think he's someone uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, Carter Keyboom, uh, eligible at shortstop in Yahoo. Uh, we're just going to really have to watch in the spring if he ends up winning that starting third base job. At least it seems like he's going to be in the third base mix. The Nationals have a lot of options, um, but he's one I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, Paul DeYoung like, really struggled down the stretch last year, but there's a, a floor of power there that's kind of valuable. You mentioned Jorge Polanco earlier. Um, he's a cheap way to get a piece of the Indi- or the Twins lineup. Um, and then, yeah, you got you mentioned Gene Segura. Uh, Scott Kingery is eligible at mm-hmm. shortstop. We kind of like him as a post-type breakout guy. Um, Andrelton Simmons, you know, known more for his glove, but I don't know. Maybe every once in a while, he he shows a little burst of offense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Garrett Hampson with the Rockies. Brendan Rogers, I guess, is worth putting on a watch list uh, yeah. as he recovers uh, from what did he have? Labrum surgery. He did. Yeah. 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 So that, that that'll be a long road back, but he 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 could make some noise with the Rockies. Maybe take over second base or something at some point. And I think in Yahoo, Nick Madrigal qualifies at shortstop. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, pretty sure. Let me, let's me let double check. T- Time-killing music? <laughs> I, I mean, yes, he does. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. All right. So that's, that's interesting to know, you know, going into drafts. Uh, uh, so definitely make a note of that. And that'll be all season, as far as I know. Second base and shortstop eligibility oh. in Yahoo. So that could come in handy once he comes up i mean if the white Sox are going for it this year i think they should just have him on the opening day roster but um you know we'll see how it goes yeah i mean they've got eloy jimenez and luis robert like signed to very team-friendly deals yeah go for they the don't gold, need to, man yeah they don't need to game madrigal's service time too much yeah do you think we see wander franco with the rays this year i don't know it seems that, unlikely to me but you know yeah i I, I don't think he didn't really have a great 2019 either. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe like September. Yeah. All right. Or I, I guess the call up rules are different. I haven't really soaked in all the roster changes. Yeah. There's lots of new rules this year. Uh, so they have to keep that in mind, but uh, yeah, the, including the September call ups. Um, right. 28. Yeah. I think you can, the most you could have is 28. Is that right? In September. Sure. Sounds right to me. Let's let's skip this segment. <laughs> we're, not, we're not sounding very smart. <laughs> okay, we're gonna start. We're gonna uh, list off our third baseman for 2020 now, um, and I'll I'll read off mine, and then you can do yours. So, uh, cool. number one, Nolan Arenado. Uh, number two, Alex Bregman. Three, Jose Ramirez. Four, Anthony Rendon. Five, Rafael Devers. Six, Juan Moncada. Seven, Chris Bryant. Eight, Max Muncy. Uh, nine, DJ LeMahieu. Ten, Manny Machado. 11, Matt Chapman, and 12, uh, Eugenio Suarez. 
Wow. Uh, we, we were right on until uh, number six. I'll just read mine. Um, one, Nolan Arenado. Two, Alex Bregman. Three, Jose Ramirez. Four, Anthony Rendon. Five, Rafael Devers. Six, Chris Bryant. Seven, Eugenio Suarez. Eight, Max Muncy. Nine, Josh Donaldson. Ten, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Eleven, DJ LeMahieu. And twelve, Yon Mankata. All right. So we, we do have some disagreement, which is cool. Yeah. That's always that's always more uh, better podcasting than if we agreed on everyone. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, so let's let's start at the top here. Uh, Arenado was dangled this winter on the trade market, but not dealt at least not yet. Um, so he remains in Colorado for now and remains one of the safest power options on the board. 41 home runs and 128 RBIs for every 162 games played since the beginning of 2015. We talked about it with Trevor Story. The Corbs field effect is built into his price and, and built into the return on the investment that you get. Uh, should be a first rounder yet again, going ninth overall right now in the average Yahoo League. It's you know, pretty comforting to lock in an elite home run and RBI commodity with your first pick. And he helps in the batting average department too. Uh, just not going to help you in speed. So uh, he's played in at least 155 games in five straight seasons. So, you know, the durability has been there. He's hit at least 37 homers in all five of those seasons, at least 110 RBIs in all of them, and scored at least 97 runs scored in all of them. Uh, 295 career hitter, hit 315 last year, uh, had his best contact rate since 2016 last year. So every reason to think he could stay in that general 300 area, area this year, uh, at least assuming he sticks in Coors Field. I mean, he's just safe as can be. You know, we don't have yeah. to make it too complicated. Like, Arenado's number one. Um, yeah. Two, I have Alex Bregman. Uh, we already went over um, his profile, basically, um, under shortstops. Um, just a really solid all-around option. Uh, you know, elite, elite plate discipline. Uh, still a great situation there with that Astros lineup. Also gives you the bonus eligibility at shortstop. Always nice to have that flexibility on your roster. You know, just the lack of speed. I think uh, if he could, if he could, if he had that speed element to his game, maybe it'd be a little closer with Arenado. But uh, you can't necessarily count on that with him. So that's why he's number two. Yeah, uh, getting to Jose Ramirez at three. I was hoping that he would come at somewhat of a discount this spring after that dreadful first half last year. Then the big second half bounce back. Um, sort of over underwhelming overall numbers given what he did in 2018, but. I don't know. He's going 23rd overall on Yahoo. I guess that's a discount because he was a top five guy last spring. Yeah. Um, 39 homers, 34 steals in 2018, down to 23 homers and 24 steals in 2019. I think you can project him for like the midpoint of, of those numbers. 30-30 guy possibly hitting somewhere behind Francisco Lindor and Oscar Mercado. Um, the Indians also have Carlos Santana, Fran Mil Reyes, uh, new addition in Domingo Santana, who's terrible defensively but can hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Cesar Hernandez, I think, was a sneaky good pickup. It should be a decent offense. And Ramirez has first-round type talent, uh, considering where he's going, like towards the end of the second round, top of the third. So Ramirez was hitting 201 on June 20th last year. Yeah. Um, but from that point forward... He hit 325 with 18 homers, 55 RBIs, seven steals, and 41 score, 41 runs scored over his final 56 games. I mean, that's just bonkers. Um, unfortunately, that surge essentially ended in late August. He uh, had a fractured hammock bone in his right hand. He actually came back in late September, hit three homers in three games after yeah. returning from the injured list, then you know shut it down for good, but. Even when he was struggling, and we kept saying this, I feel like, multiple times on the podcast, like there were a lot of clues that he deserved better and just was having horrible luck. I mean, the plate discipline was still really good. You know, he was at least giving you value in stolen bases, you know, makes a lot of contact, hits plenty of fly balls. You know, to me, if he if he gets back, I'm not expecting that crazy pace that he showed over that like 56 game stretch. But mm-hmm. like, like you said, middle ground, he can be a 30-30 guy easily which is why he's gonna go high here you know we each have him third yep uh anthony rendon fourth we both had him fourth um he's actually going ahead of jose ramirez right now in in the average yahoo league adp is 18.8 ramirez is is 22.9 yeah i don't see that Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Rendon doesn't have the speed of Ramirez, but you know he did bat 319 with an OPS over 1,000 last year for the World Series champion Nationals. 34 home runs, led all of Major League Baseball in RBIs with 126, also had 117 runs scored, signed that big seven-year, $245 million deal with the Angels this winter. Should have tons of op- RBI opportunities hitting right behind Mike Trout. That's maybe the best 2-3 in, in any lineup in baseball. Yeah, I mean, we'll see because I feel like Joe Madden. I think I read this this past week. Joe Madden was thinking about maybe using Trout at a leadoff spot. I like it. You know, we'll see. But either way, you know, Rendon Rendon's in a, in a great spot. I just don't think you can bank on the, him to hit thirty four homers again, and yeah. he doesn't really give you speed necessarily. So, you know, to me, Ramirez is just the the better option. Even though you know he comes with some questions after last year i definitely think it's fair to say but um just that all-around appeal uh, you don't really get a lot of speed from your third baseman so yeah uh you know ramirez for me a little bit higher but rendon's you know perfectly fine i was i have Raphael devers fifth and i was kind of tempted to rank him above rendon i know um but losing mookie Betts at the top of the lineup there in boston i think could obviously have an impact on devers rbi total we talked about it with bogarts too but yeah, I mean, he, terrific year last year uh, for Devers, career high 115 RBIs, also career high in OPS at 916, batting average 311, home runs 32, doubles 54, I think that was tied for the American League lead, and scored 129 runs, 201 hits. Um, he'll play this entire year at age 23 and will probably bat second for the Red Sox uh, like he did for much of the second half last year. Young guy, tons of power. Uh, arrow is definitely pointing up there so i think really the big difference here was the improvement in his approach his strikeout rate fell from 24.7 percent in 2018 all the way down to 17 percent last year Um, utilized a more aggressive approach in general but contact rate increased as well Um, and in in addition to that contact rate uh, he made a ton of hard contact according to baseball savant he was in the top six percent in the league in both average exit velocity and in the top 9% in hard hit percentage. So really just awesome growth across the board. And kind of one of those guys like, you know, with the way he struggled in 2018, maybe you gave up on him in like a keeper league or something like that, but uh, certainly wishing you held on to him if that's the case. Um, I think it's reasonable to believe that the batting average is here to stay. And, you know, you throw in the power and the environment, you have a really appealing player. you know, not a complete zero in steals either, which is nice. Uh, you look at the total he had last year, he's going to help you there a little bit, at least. Um, so I think you should get used to seeing him selected, you know, at least in the first three or four rounds of fantasy drafts. I think this year, probably probably within the first three. Yeah. Um, I had Chris Bryant sixth. Where You had him a little bit lower, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I had him seventh because I had Moncada sixth. You want to talk about Mankata? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest risers as well. I think, you know, Devers yeah. and Mankata both both qualify. Um, and sort of like Devers, uh, Mankata's breakout was due in part to simply putting the ball in play. Uh, and also like Devers, he got there with an uptick in aggressiveness at the plate. Uh, Mankata swung the bat more often than ever before. Uh, quite a dramatic change. Uh, there really wasn't a huge increase in his contact rate. Uh, but he struck out a little, uh, a lot less often. He was at 33.4% in 2018, brought that all the way down to 27.5%. Mankata is a guy who previously, I mean, he still does to an extent, you know, works a lot of deep counts. So when you get in those situations, obviously the strikeout rate is going to be high. So uh, he tried to get away from that a bit and attacking earlier uh, in his at-bats to avoid those strikeouts. And really it worked for him. Um, the breakout was interrupted partially by hamstring strain, but uh, still popped 25 homers, uh, stole 10 bases, 79 RBIs, 83 runs scored over 132 games, uh, hit 315 as well. Uh, it's worth noting that he did this with a, a batting average on balls and play north of 400. Uh, even mm-hmm. taking his speed into account, that's you know a historic a historic number that's unlikely to be repeated. Uh, odds are that batting average is going to fall a bit this year. I think you're counting on maybe like 275 or something like that. Um, still good enough skills across the board here for for at least for me for him to be a top six fantasy third baseman uh, in a White Sox lineup that's going to be really good. Yeah, cut like you said, cut down on the strikeouts after leading the league in that department in 2018 and. 
you know, if he gets close to a 300 batting average again or a 900 OPS, um, if he repeats those rate stats in 2020, the counting stats should be a lot better on the whole. Um, it, like you said, especially with the lineup there on, on the south side of Chicago, uh, some power, some speed, upside at age 24. I had him ranked 12th. Um, I have some concerns about his overall game, but but I am a fan. Um, I'll go with Chris Bryant here, uh, who I had sixth. Uh, there, there were a ton of trade rumors surrounding him uh, this winter, and I guess there's still a chance the Cubs find a deal for him at some point before opening day. Uh, should be pretty attractive to teams after losing his service time grievance against the Cubs, which keeps him on track to hit free agency after 2021 rather than after this season. Um, but yeah, we, we have to project his numbers as, as if he's still going to be there in Chicago. And he, he was very productive last year, 31 home runs, 903 OPS, 108 runs scored, kind of underwhelmed in RBIs with only 77 um, I think that MVP season he had back in 2016 might, might go down as a career year, uh, but it seems like the shoulder scare from 2018 is, is in the past now, and he's just a really good hitter. Um, I got him in the sixth round in a mock draft I did last month, um, which I think is good value for him. On Yahoo right now in the average Yahoo league, he's going toward the end of the, the fourth round in a 12-team draft. So only 77 RBIs last year. Yep. hasn't reached the 100 mark since that MVP season in 2016. But I think a lot of that is about context because Joe Madden liked to hit him second in the order. So just not a great spot to to drive and run. So uh, I wonder if that number could jump in, in a marked way, depending on where new manager David Ross puts him. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any, been any quotes about it yet, but uh, I could certainly see Chris Bryant hitting you know third or fourth, uh, depending on what David Ross does. And if that happens, I think we'll see the RBIs get, you know, closer to 100 this year. So I had Eugenio Suarez seventh. Um, I'm a little worried about the shoulder. Uh, yeah. Required surgery in late January. Um, apparently injured himself while working out in a swimming pool. It doesn't sound like a super serious issue. And there is a chance that he, he could be ready for opening day. I, I saw that he was swinging one handed so far in Reds camp, showed up there a little bit early. Uh, but shoulders can be tricky. I mean, as all baseball fans know, uh, so it, it's definitely something that has to be monitored throughout the spring and, and maybe even going into the, the early part of the season. Um, but was a force last year, uh, career high, 930 OPS, 49 home runs, 103 RBIs and 159 games, uh, great ballpark there, great American ballpark in Cincinnati. And the Reds got better this winter. Um, the lineup, adding Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, and Shogo Akiyama from Japan. Um, Suarez is going 72nd overall right now on Yahoo. I, I think that'll be a pretty good value if he's healthy to begin the year uh, and c- can just repeat his 2019 production or even just come close. So so the shoulder was enough for me to push Suarez down a bit, uh, just yeah. because I don't have these health questions about these other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Max Muncy 8th for me. Uh, Suarez is 12th on my rankings um muncie i have eighth uh you know i think a lot of people were banking on regression for muncie last year and it did happen to an extent the ops fell but you know still money from a power perspective had 35 homers 98 rbis and 141 games um you know had that wrist injury late in the year so you know might have been even more uh if he was healthy all season never going to be a batting average guy but you know again about context you know good lineup gets on base uh, hits the ball hard. Uh, to me, I think he doesn't get enough respect. But, um, man, in that lineup this year with the Dodgers, um, you know, I'd be feeling pretty good about him being, you know, my third baseman or my second baseman, wherever you want to plug him in in your fantasy lineup. Um, you know, he's going to be a really good option for you. Yeah, I, I had Muncie at number six in my first base rankings and fifth in my second base rankings. He's also at eighth for me at third base, but which I guess speaks a little to the depth at the position. Um or my lack of math skills. It's, it's one of the two. But yeah, 927 OPS over the last two seasons combined. Back-to-back 35 home run seasons. Um, and like you said, should should light up RBI and run scored in the Dodgers lineup that just added Mookie Betts. He could bat second pretty often, uh, right behind Betts and in front of Cody Bellinger. 75.4 ADP on Yahoo, which seems like a really good value. So ninth, I had DJ LeMayhew. Um, who did you have nine? Josh Donaldson. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was tough because I, I, I wanted to put Donaldson in my top 12, but I, I just couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, so 
LeMahieu, it's weird because I don't really love him this year, but, you know, he's going to hit for average no matter what. I think you can yeah. bank on that. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit 26 homers again, but could he get close to 20 in Yankee Stadium again? Probably so. Um, you know he's going to score a ton of runs there for the Yankees. So, you know, maybe he's not going to hit 327 again, but, you know, he's a 302 career hitter. So, I mean, like, I'm trying to poke holes in him wherever I can, but I still think he's going to be really useful across the board in that Yankees lineup, Green Home Ballpark, you know, the other AL East ballparks. I don't think he's like a one-year wonder, but someone who might be a little bit overvalued. But even still, here he is ninth, you know, among my third baseman. I think he's going to be a, a, a still a really solid option, even if he can't, you know, repeat his 2019, which is probably, you know, his career peak. Yeah, I had LeMahieu 11th. Um, yeah, he averaged nine home runs and 59 RBIs per year between 2014 and 2018 while playing his home games at Coors Field. So I'm a little skeptical. Um, I don't expect him to get back to 26 home runs. But like you said, 20 is possible um, playing half his games at Yankee Stadium where the ball really flies and there's short porches. And then, yeah, I think he could get back to 100-plus runs scored. I don't know if he'll get back to 102 RBIs. just kind of depends where they're going to hit him. Um, yeah, he'll be good for your batting average, though, and he, he has eligibility at first base, second base, and third base, so that's obviously really intriguing. I'll talk about Donaldson for a bit. Okay. Um, I just – you know, considering he's joining a Twins lineup that set a new MLB record for combined home runs in 2019, and he's coming off 37 home runs, 94 RBIs, 900 OPS uh, with the Braves. But yeah, he is 34 years old, and there might be some lingering durability concerns there, even though he did play 155 games last season during the regular season for the Braves, along with five games in the NLDS uh, against the Cardinals. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I think it's hard to make a case against him other than some ageism. Um, I like him a lot for 2020 in that Minnesota offense. Um, I think if you draft him, you'll be happy that you did as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, I, I the age and the injury concern was what ultimately pushed him down the board for me. But um, you know, it was, he basically had a return to form last year, uh, other than the increase in strikeouts. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's a fine option. I just, there's so much talent at third base that I, I just couldn't do it. I actually put Manny Machado 10th. Um, where was he with your third baseman? 13. Okay. Actually, 14. Okay. Yep. You know, still ended up with 32 homers, 85 RBIs, 81 runs scored over 156 games last year. Uh, sort of reminiscent of his weird 2017 season. Um, you know, but maybe the peaks and valleys were. You know, about a new environment, new league, new pitchers. You know, maybe he's trying to justify the contract. Um, you know, there could be any variety of reasons for that. Um, but I think what you should be encouraged by is just his ability to make hard contact. Um, according to Baseball Savant, he was in the 87th percentile uh, in average exit velocity. So still hits the ball really hard. Good numbers to fall back on if, you know, maybe you're losing faith a little bit. Um you know, Machado has reached at least 32 homers in five straight seasons and also got there in San Diego last year. Um, so, you know, I still think he can be... Actually, I think he could be a decent value depending on what kind of league you're in. Yeah, I had Machado at 12th in my shortstop rankings, 14th uh, at third base. The top tiers at shortstop feature some of the best players in all of baseball, but Third base probably has a little more depth when it comes to raw power guys. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm not really sure that Machado is an elite power guy. Yeah. Um, and in San Diego. Yep. That's fair. Um, so I had Vladimir Guerrero 10th. He didn't crack your top 12, did he? No, he did not. I, I'm, I'm living this bit now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a good hill to die on, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely underwhelmed as a rookie last season uh, especially given where he was being drafted this time last spring 45th overall in the average yahoo league uh, last year um, and his numbers from 2019 15 homers 69 rbis in 123 games 227 or 272 batting average 772 ops just not the stuff of a, a high level fantasy third baseman and the analytics weren't great either not a ton of hard contact 17.3 line drive percentage, 49.6 ground ball percentage. Um, also rated really poorly for his defensive work at the hot corner. 
Um, but he's apparently gotten in better shape and, and there were stretches in the second half last year where he did look like the top prospect that he was being billed as. And I, I don't, I don't know. I do think we'll see improvement in 2020, but yeah, it's like, it's difficult to project 35 plus homers and a hundred and plus RBIs and a 900 plus OPS, um, given what we saw from him on the whole in 2019 and to be, you know, a top 10 third baseman, you need to be a 30 homer, 100 RBI kind of guy. Yes. And so when I got to this point in my rankings, because I had Machado 10th, I had Matt Chapman 11th, I have Eugenio Suarez 12th. I'm like, you know, who are you feeling more confident about going into 2020? And, you know, I think we all expect Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to eventually get to where he'll probably be a top, you know, five third baseman annually. I mean, I think that will happen. I just don't think we saw enough last year to say like with any real confidence that he's going to crack that kind of level just yeah. yet. Uh, just because he hit the ball on the ground just so much. Um, you know, he can obviously launch a ball when he really connects it. Like he has that ridiculous kind of power, but we just didn't see it, you know, often enough. Uh, and especially because he did hit the ball on the ground so much. I think he's going to be fine, but just maybe not in 2020 you know what i mean uh and you yeah. went over the reasons for that um so i had he's, Matt, he, sorry go ahead he's, i'm just gonna mention he was he's the seventh third baseman off the board right now on yahoo behind arenado bregman rendon ramirez devers bryant and then the, there's vlad jr so he's not cheap either yeah yeah he's probably not going to be on any of my my teams this year even though i'll be watching him regularly because that blue yeah. jays the blue jays lineup's pretty fun uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. So I have Matt Chapman 11th. Uh, I still think he's a bit underrated. Uh, was admittedly much better in the first half last year than the second half. Ended up hitting just 249, but I still think there's a good chance at a batting average rebound. Uh, the approach continues to get better. Strikeout rate has dipped from 28.2% all the way to 21.9% over the course of the last two years. Draws a good number of walks. Uh, puts in the, the ball in the air a ton. Some of those are infield flies, unfortunately, so that might hurt the batting average a bit. But you know that power is going to be there. Ranks very highly in all the, the you know the big power metrics that we talk about, like elite level numbers mm-hmm. there. Uh, nice jump in his barrel rate last year as well. You know I like the Oakland lineup. Really underrated pieces in there, and, and some rebound pieces as well. Chris uh, Chris Davis, uh, if you want to include him there. Uh, so I think the the uh, counting stats should continue to be there for him. The batting average may be a bit of a moving target. Yeah, I had Chapman 13th, and it felt kind of disrespectful to leave him out of <laughs> my top 12. I mean, he's an MVP candidate when you factor in the defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, finished, what, 6th in the AL MVP voting in 2019, 7th in 2018. Um, known mostly for his gold glove defense, but, yeah, also had a career high in home runs and RBIs last season. Probably going to bat third for that dynamic and, and talented A's lineup. I think the lack of speed is a knock on him. And I'm not like super sure he can make the jump to being a 40 homer hitter, but it also wouldn't really surprise me. Um, he's just yeah, a great all around player. So I had Suarez 12th. Um, and I think you said you had Moncada 12th, right? Yep. Okay. So just for the record, I had Vlad Jr. 13th. <laughs> so uh and i have jeff mcneil 14th who i view as like the poor man's dj Lemayhu. yeah uh, they're kind of similar you know they're gonna hit for average i don't know if you can really bank on them hitting like 25 homers but they're gonna give you a little bit of pop uh should get on base score runs like very similar profile i just think that uh Lemayhu has a little bit more upside being in that yankees lineup uh i had donaldson 15th Mike Moustakis, 16th, even though he's yep, going to play same, same second for me. base this year. Eduardo Escobar, 17th. Uh, Miguel Sano, 18th. Tommy Edmond, who Matthew Poliot loves this year. I have him 19th, and I have Scott Kingery, 20th. All right, we have a pretty similar uh, bottom half here. I, I had McNeil, 15th. Uh, had him 10th at second base. That's a shallower position. Uh, Moustakis, 16. Ed- Eduardo Escobar, 17. Edmond, 18 Sano 19 and then Justin Turner 20. Okay. I'd like to talk about him for a bit. I mean, yeah, he's just steady at least when he's on the field. 
um, managed to play 135 games in 2019, which was his highest total since 2016. So you have the, the durability concerns, and he's a little older than a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, had an 80-81 OPS when he was healthy, 290 batting average, 27 home runs, 67 RBIs, 80 runs scored again in 135 games. Could be a sneaky good counting stats compiler. Um, as the Dodgers possible number three or number four hitter, you know, sandwiched between Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy, um, who we all love. Um, and even if he drops to like the number five or number six spot in that lineup, I think it's deep enough where he can produce in the more teammate dependent scoring categories. Uh, 160.580p on Yahoo. I think that's a pretty good value for Justin Turner this year. A couple of guys I liked as, you know, we get deeper into these rankings, Hunter Dozier. I think not getting yeah. any love despite some really good numbers uh, last year. And there's some talented pieces in that Royals lineup, as you mentioned earlier. J.D. Davis had a great year with the Mets last year, basically in like, you know, part-time-ish at bats. Uh, maybe some of his status depends on, you know, how you want a Cespedes looks in the spring. If Cespedes is actually playable, that's going to hurt Davis because uh, mm. as of now, Davis is projected to play left field. But, um, you know, if Cespedes goes down or, they trade him to an AL team, which I think is a possibility. You know, full season's worth of at-bats for Davis could be huge. Uh, and, you know, I like Brian Anderson uh, with the Marlins. Uh, Marlins lineup getting better. Brian Anderson, you know, gave you some useful pop last year. Gets on base. I think he can hit for average, too. Um, if he plays a full season's worth of at-bats, you know, he could be a 25-homer guy and really help you across the board counting stats-wise. So, uh, I think some nice values at third base, even though it's a really deep position, like these guys can still help you in a mixed league. Yeah, Ian Happ, uh, Nick Solak of the Rangers. Uh, we talked about Scott Kingery. We talked about Carter Keboom, um, eligible at third base as well. Miguel Andujar, like maybe comes back and provides some yeah. power. It's not, maybe maybe takes over first base if Luke Voigt struggles. I, I worry about the playing time a little bit. Um, Gio Urshela there. Also worth mentioning, uh, Yadi Diaz has some power. Yeah. Uh, Yuli Gurriel has eligibility at third base. Um, the guys I stay away from is like Evan Longoria, Matt Carpenter. I think. Yeah. We've seen the best they have to offer. Yeah. What do you think of Starlin Castro with the Nationals? I mean, I like him from a, in a real life sense. Um, I, I think if maybe if you're playing in a league like a deep league with a corner infield spot, he's worth drafting or or kind of being like a guy you pick up for stretches. Um, I, I really like that signing. I, I think he's going to work out pretty well there. Yeah. I mean, the Nationals have a ton of moving pieces in that infield, so I'm, I'm fascinated do. to see how, how it's all going to work out. But uh, Castro is certainly in a, in a good situation there uh, with the Nationals getting out of Miami. Um, so you have anything else on third baseman? I, th- I think I'm all tapped out. <laughs> all right. So that'll do it for our shortstop third base episode. Uh, Later this week, you'll find our outfielder and catcher rankings. So look for it to arrive early Friday morning. Uh, We also have a bonus episode this week. I don't know if I told you this, Drew, but myself and Nate Grimm, we're going to go over some early average draft position outliers. Uh, We're going to record that Tuesday night, so it'll come out um, Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that as well. So all coming to you this week. So a lot of good stuff uh, as we get ready uh, to prepare for fantasy drafts uh, this spring. If you're enjoying what you're hearing with these episodes, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review if you don't mind. Let us know you're finding these position ranking episodes useful. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short and Drew is at Drew Silk. We'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.